right, welcome back. This is Eye on Health. You know, every Saturday we're here at 10 o'clock on 97.1 FM News Talk talking about your health. I've got uh, Dr. Steve Harvey here and standing next to me, ready to go, Steve. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. good morning. How you doing? Doing great. I think this is a day that'll live in infamy. What do you think? I think it will. <laughs> it hey, will. I'm, I'm excited because we have special guests back in studio, Dr. Brian Perlman. Yeah. yeah. He's got the silky voice. He does. He's got that radio the Radio voice. voice. Yeah. Hey, yeah. say something, Dr. Perlman. Yeah, so, say something. Say good something. morning, everybody. Thanks for the compliments. Very good. Very good. That's good for the ego. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you today. Every time you come in, you've got great, interesting information, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. What a gorgeous day out there today, huh? It's the best. Hopefully everyone's yeah. getting outside, getting active. Um, we were off last week. We kind of got lazy, right? We did. We, we did get lazy. Got yeah. fat and happy after <laughs> Thanksgiving and just decided to... <laughs> We were just going to sleep in, right? Exactly. Right, but the yeah. weekend before, we had a great show where we were talking about Medicare for All. Yes, yes. Uh, doing a little bit of a pro and con back and uh-huh. forth. I thought that went great. Interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. Uh, topic du jour if you're watching the yes. mainstream media. It is. Um, but I thought it went great. So if you missed that episode and you kind of want to hear the back and forth, uh-huh. um, I cannot remember the guest's name. You'll have to remind me. That was Dr. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm sorry about that. Ed Weisbart. It was oh, Dr. Weisbart. Very good. Yeah. yeah. You kind of set me up on that one. <laughs> I did. Sorry. Because he was like a professional who <laughs> yeah. had talked about this many, many, many times. And <laughs> Right. It's like leading you into a <laughs> yes, trap. Right. Not, but, uh, not I, my intention, I but, thought but it was fun. Well, yeah, and we fun tried to, to handle it uh, where it wasn't such an aggressive debate where people just ended up yelling at each other because right. nothing really happens. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't, don't accomplish anything that way. So I thought it went yeah. well. If you missed it. You can check out the podcast either on the 97.1 Talk website uh-huh. or our website, which is ionhealthradio.com. Yes, yes, we which get... which we've recently started updating, and <laughs> yes. it's not uh, I don't know it's how not much quite we... as embarrassing. I don't as know how much we. I think maybe you are updating <laughs> yeah. it. It was the royal we. I just <laughs> meant myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but at least you can log in and see some up to date information on it now. There, there is some up to date information. Yeah. Yes, and there the is. podcast huh? should be up there. And the show sounds great in podcasts. It just plays straight through. We've had a ton of great guests over the last you know two or three months. Yeah, we've got a ton of great guests coming up through the end of the year and even. Mm-hmm. Up until next year. Right, yeah, so yeah. We, we, we got packed full with all kinds of great full, stuff. So, yeah, stay tuned. Lots of good information. But I, I do think that Medicare for All episode was interesting. Yeah, that was an especially good, good one. Lots yeah. of good points. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're kind of wanting to see both sides of it without all the vitriol that you might see on TV, you might want to check it out and see. Absolutely, because you won't get that kind of good information anywhere else pretty yeah, much. It's, that's it's, right. Yeah, it was a good well, you know, the topic has become so politicized that uh, you can't even really talk about it now. Exactly, you know, right, both. Yeah. Both parties get into their two camps, and so uh, and and what I wanted to do is I wanted to let our guests know where I was coming from, uh-huh. just so you know if you don't know where the other side is even coming from, you don't. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, exactly. You, you, yeah. Because yeah. because there's so much polarization, it's almost like you don't want to even know where the other side is coming from. You just want to say, yeah. "I'm right, and this is why I'm right." So that's why I wanted to let them know where we're coming from. And mm-hmm. anyway, I thought it went went great. We do appreciate the guests coming in and giving us time. We do need to have him back in. Yes. Because in an hour, which is all we have, you just do not have enough time to go over all the different topics. Exactly. It's just not enough time. Yeah. And Dr. Weisbart will be back in a few weeks. He's on on the schedule. Good. Great. Because, you know, one of the things we did not even get to talk about, and I knew this would happen, the the whole hour basically became consumed with the financial implications. Yes. 
but we didn't even get into quality. <laughs> right. And right, so he's yeah. going to have to come back in. So now we can have, and uh-huh. basically what I'm going to say when he's back in is let's not even talk, talk about the finances. Let's just pretend uh-huh. like we can pay for all of it. Let's just, let's just uh-huh. pretend like yeah. it's paid for. Now let's talk about some of the, you know, quality concerns that yeah, we how, may have. Oh, quality work, right. Quality you know, and access and all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. That. So it was, yes. it, was, it was good yeah. and we'll have him back on. But we're very excited for today's guest, Dr. Brian Perlman. You've been mm-hmm. on before. Yeah. I have. Glad to be back, guys. Yeah. This is a good time of year to have you on. It is. Because I've got all sorts of kids running around my house, and they can't concentrate on anything because of the Christmas, the holiday season. They can't, they can't even, you know, school becomes an afterthought. So I can't wait to pick your brain <laughs> to see if that is a pretty common theme throughout schools this time of year. Right? These last, like, it's really, it's really from Thanksgiving on. They just can't concentrate, but they have finals. They have all these. It's a it's mm-hmm. important time of year because you're really you're setting your grade right now. But it's hard to get them wrangled. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear what you have to tell us. You are you just going to tell me I have to whip them into shape or what? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Spike I hope the eggnog. What is yeah, right. <laughs> um, what else you want to talk about today, Doctor Perlman? So I, I think today would be a good time uh, to talk about uh, what do, what do we do as parents uh, when someone's struggling. Uh, academically, um, just kind of different trends that we're seeing in schools now. Uh, a lot lately, and, and I don't know if this is a St. Louis thing or everywhere, uh, there have been a lot of news shows showing the disruptive child and you know chairs turned upside down and kids being evacuated from classrooms. I mean, even with, with young kids and maybe talking a little bit about that because I do get that question a lot uh, here locally. Because and I don't specifically remember which news stations, but two of them in the last month or so huh. have had these exposés about violent children and you know kids not being able to access curriculum and and kids mm-hmm. going off. I think was one of the headlines in school and really having the conversation about is it that much worse now than it was before, or is it just now in the media more, or you know even connecting social media, which I think we talked about both of the other times <laughs> yeah. I was here, which I think will continue to yeah. be a topic. Yeah. So once, once or twice. Those yeah. Are, yeah, those are probably <laughs> the areas would be good uh, for a conversation. Maybe we'll stay away from uh, Medicare for all. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know what? Academics. I, I did yeah. see one of those news stories. So it is out there now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess we've seen this with the media. One one uh, channel or, or station will will get it. And then it's like everyone else has to run with the exact same story. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk because I, I you know, I, I have seen some of those coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the question always is, is it more prominent now? Or, or more prevalent now, or are we just hearing about it more just because of the media cycle, the news yeah. cycle? Yeah, so a good yeah. question. Okay, all right, stay tuned, folks. We do have to go to our first break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dr. Brian Perlman. This looks like a very interesting topic. Can't wait to hear about it. So stay tuned. We're going to have more Eye on Health after these words. We're back. 97.1 FM Talk. This is the Eye on Health Show. And we're here with Dr. Brian Perlman, and we're going to talk about uh, things having to do with mental health and the education system and and things like that. I think one topic we've seen a lot about on the mainstream media recently has been, uh, you know, misbehaving kids. We see a lot of those stories. So what, one thing we're going to want to ask about is, is it really more, are kids getting worse than they used to be? Or is it we just seeing more of it on the media or what? But I, before we jump into that, what, one thing we were talking about when we were off the air is is corporal punishment? So let's let's talk about that one. You know, a little controversy there, and what? So so so, Doctor Perlman, what do you th- as as a as a former school principal, longtime educator, 
What do you think about uh, about corporal punishment in the schools? Yeah, I probably should start out when when people hear that they think that's so 1950 or 1970 yeah. or, or whatever it is, and and the reality of it is 19 states it's still legal, and huh. and in some states in some areas it might even be encouraged wow. um, or mandatory. Uh, yeah, yeah in right. Missouri it actually is legal and left to the local school boards to make the decision if if they should use it. I'm not really aware uh, of too many in the state. Certainly in St. Louis County, I can't think of one uh, that does that. But whether it's legal or ethical or whatever you want to say, you know, growing up in school, I never experienced being paddled. But, um, you know, at home, some of us did get spanked and things like that. So I I don't know. I'll leave that to the family unit to decide that. But in schools, the, the way I look at it, I never paddled a kid. I, I can't really think of a situation where, where I would use that. Um, I'm in my place in my career now and working with schools and districts, I'm all about effectiveness, you know, and, and positive outcomes. And spent a lot of time talking about trauma and kids that have faced adverse childhood experiences. And in so many cases, that's physical abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, someone yeah. who's acting out because they're physically abused or traumatized, then we punish them or give the parent the choice suspension or paddling. So we say, okay, go ahead and paddle them. And then when I get home, I'm going to paddle them. It kind of just from oh, a logic yeah. standpoint, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And in, in my own career, um, I feel like relationship building, uh, setting boundaries, uh, reinforcing that even this notion of restorative uh, practices, which the, that came from actually the corrections world is that mm-hmm. you hold people accountable and they really have to sort of fix the damage that they've done to oh, yeah. a school or to other students. And it's that accountability and you're part of a community and things. We find that those tend to be more effective than than paddling. Um, I, I'll also take it a step further. There's no research out there that suspensions are effective. Mm-hmm. If I was yeah. a principal today, and somebody broke someone's nose, I'd probably have to send them home. Or if they brought a knife, I'd have to send them home. But I have zero expectation that they're going to come back better, particularly if it's a mental health-related concern like anxiety behind that or depression or or previous trauma. They're not going to come back to school better. So that's kind of what what my thoughts are. I do work with a school um, in the Deep South that August 1st, the board there finally said we're not – paddling. And there are some teachers that have expressed concern that you're taking away one of our best tools for getting kids to comply. And again, as someone they're consulting, I have to respect the local norms. But when asked my personal opinion, it's like, I I just don't have any evidence. And I know in the show, you talk a lot about looking at research and looking at evidence. Well, there isn't any that supports that. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think with, when it comes to paddling (laughs) or corporal punishment, I think a lot of it was more the threat that it could happen than it actually happening um, to try to keep people in line. But I just got to say, in today's litigious society, I can't see how any school district would ever say, go right ahead and paddle. Can you? I mean, it seems like you're opening yourself up to some uh, to some legal uh, hot water. Because, you know, what if the kid comes home and he says, oh, you know, I can't sit down because my my butt hurts too bad because I got paddled too hard. I don't think that's going to go over very well. But you're saying it is still legal and, and e- even here in Missouri, still still legal and left open to the, the local school board. You said something very interesting. And, and the notion, all of us, when we went to school, and I think we're pretty much contemporaries here, mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of of the carrot and stick approach, right, that we'll get someone to comply because the carrot is good enough 
or the stick is scary enough that we're going to comply because we don't want to get hit. I'm not sure as time has gone on that 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 how effective or how accurate or true. I mean, I can tell you growing up, my parents had consequences and the consequences were usually really bad. So I would comply because I didn't want to get hit with a belt or I didn't want to get grounded. And my parents enforce those. I think so often now kids are learning that parents are busy. They have their phones out. We're not sitting around the dinner table and there are threats thrown out that aren't reinforced. And as soon as a kid realizes that there's a rule, but we're not reinforcing, let, let's say the three of us choose to drive really fast home today from the station. Mm-hmm. And we know there's nobody really monitoring yeah. the speed limit. What's going to help us to comply to that rule? Now, yeah. all being parents, I think all of us want to get home safely and don't, and we're all mm-hmm. in the healing arts or something. We don't want to, you know, hurt anybody else. But if there's a threat and we know it's never going to be enforced, even kids can figure out at a young age, like, why why would I put down my device? Why would I listen to you? I want to do my preferred activity, and I'll just keep doing that. I don't really want to do a math problem or homework. So, And then to, hmm. to jump off to the other point that we were going to talk about, which are disruptive kids, when you're talking about suspensions, you know, not working to fix that individual child, what they definitely do is get that child away from everyone else because if they're being so disruptive that they, you know, they're causing violence to another kid, you know, on some level, I know we don't want to give up on them, but on some level, you got to say, I got to get this person out of here so that these other kids can learn and learn in a safe environment. Yeah. Do you ever get to the point where there's just some kids that just are not fixable? Is that is that a point where it's like it's the, the traditional school system that we have is not going to work for this kid? So I want to go back to the first point that you said. There definitely, everybody has the right to FAPE, free and appropriate public education. But my point of that is, but not at the cost of 25 other kids learning. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What I would say is certainly we don't want a student in there that's that's not accessing the curriculum themselves or disrupting other people from learning. Mm-hmm. There is a push now where we have reset rooms, where there is uh, using Tai Chi or yoga or something of that to get someone back sort of into that window of tolerance, into a place where they're at a good place uh, to learn, where we're building in breaks. So many of our kids, like I was a kid that got sent to the principal quite a bit, probably because I have ADHD and I couldn't sit (laughs) still and I wasn't really that interested. But the consequence often would be to take away recess or take away movement and making you sit longer, So which ends up making the problem that much worse. So I think it's really getting a group together, really problem solving what the kid needs, what emotions driving that behavior, and what program we need to put into place to help them be effective. There are kids that go on to a higher tier where the local public school is not an appropriate placement for them. One of the schools that I currently work with is a K-12 alternative school in Alaska, and all the students there are all on IEPs, Individualized Education Plans, and have a program set up with many breaks, with a lot of support, with everything that they need, so that those students have the opportunity to grow a year every year. In a traditional school setting, the behaviors, the structure, the typical program for them is just not effective. So from that standpoint, I don't know if it's worse now than it was before. I don't know if before we just threw kids out at a certain age and, hey, hey, buddy, you got to keep your kid home or he's not welcome, he or she. 
the laws have been set up to prevent that from just arbitrarily. We don't like Brian and we don't like Brian's behavior. So we're just going to kick you out forever, you know, and sure. and Brian yeah. might be six at the time. You yeah. know, how can you predict sure. what's going to happen in the future? Uh, right. So yeah. let's say yeah. someone does get repeatedly suspended over and over again. Um, suspension is like three days or something, right? You're just, and then is there still something called expulsion where you actually get expelled? Is that still a thing? Well, I think I think more in the high school area when there's a felony involved or or something of that sort that 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 it could happen. Um, most of my career was at the elementary level, and I can't think of a single kid that okay. was expelled at that level. Now, if somebody stabbed someone, well, sure. there would be a consequence. There would be discussions about what's the appropriate setting, whether it's in that school in a sort of a self-contained with assistance type of situation or whether there would be looking at a placement through another organization. I worked in mm-hmm. a school. We had a third grade girl who was very disruptive, very violent. In fact, at home had pulled a knife on her on her younger brother that the district actually contracted with a, a private school situation that was designed for kids that have these types oh. of behaviors. There are some in the St. Louis area. There's some out a little bit more rural, that really the discussion is what what does this child need to be successful and what do we need to make sure that we're ensuring safety for everybody? So those are difficult conversations, and I wish I could say they were made quickly. There are kids that are put out for extended periods of time. It's a superintendent-level suspension where they are still given services. They can be given a tutor at maybe at the public library for a set amount of hours because – we still want the kid to learn and grow, even if they're making bad yeah. choices or if this isn't the right fit. Try yeah. to try to make them a productive member of society, because if you just give up on them, then then you know what what's going to happen at that point, right? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so we're we're getting pretty close to a commercial break, but what, one thing I wanted to ask about is some of those special schools that are sort of designed for the especially difficult kids. What what sort of resources do they have in place, or how are those schools different? or special to handle all of these difficult kids. So in St. Louis County, a lot of that would be run by the special school district of St. Louis County. There are Uh dual districts here, Mm -hmm. and they do have uh, facilities here. There are uh, even state-level facilities. The the one that I'm thinking about, I was in St. Charles County. It was an organization where the majority of the students there were students with autism, and they had more supports and more help, and they had a different schedule set up that really – was setting the best chance for success for the students there. The majority of our kids will do fine in their local neighborhood school. There Mm -hmm. are kids that are certainly at a higher level or have bigger needs that require more. Sure. Great. Oh, great. Great topic. Oh, we got a lot more to learn. Um, We do have to go to break, so stay tuned. We're going to be talking with Dr. Brian Perlman when we come back. We're talking about disruptive students um, in the classroom or... Many disruptive students at my house running around because it's Christmas time. Okay, so stay tuned. We're going to have more Eye on Health after these words. All right, we're back. 97.1 FM Talk. This is the Eye on Health Show. It's here with uh, me, Dr. Steve Harvey, with Dr. Mike Jones, and our very, very special guest, Dr. Brian Perlman. Uh, Dr. Perlman is a, is a veteran educator, keynote speaker, adjunct professor. Uh, author. For, author. Oh, yeah, author, right. Look. Formerly, uh, formerly a school principal, and he's here to give us all sorts of good information about uh, mental health in schools, which is sort of his thing. So, I, so I, I think one one thing we want to know about is is uh, how do I ask this? Are 
are kids getting worse than they used to be? Are kids getting worse? Kids getting better? Is it just a perception based on what we see on TV? Are they TV? getting better? <laughs> yeah. They, yeah uh, I think we can rule that one out. Has Snapchat made them all better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're all better now because of Snapchat. How's what, what do you think the general trend is? Or is there a trend? You know, it's it's really hard to find, you know, specific uh, data points and things to, to make any global type of um, analysis on that. But I would say the amount of students that have mental health concerns, uh, that have uh, been facing trauma, the majority of students would fit in one of those camps now. And again, I don't know if it was less. I, I reflect back to my own childhood and now having a mental health understanding, realizing this friend of mine who had these issues probably yep. was dealing with depression or this yeah. person like myself who couldn't sit still probably had ADHD or you know whatever whatever it is. It seems like more people than not are dealing with effects of stress in the household, dealing with some mental health condition. I guess the the negative is I think that number has gone up a lot. Yeah. I, I think there's more people than not. The thing that maybe balances that a bit is that there's more access to those services now. And I feel like there's less stigma to yeah. people uh, getting uh, mental health uh, treatment, be it through a therapist or be it through a psychiatrist. I think there was a time that I could remember that I think people would have admitted anything before they admitted that they were dealing with something in the mental health world. And I yeah. think organizations like uh, NAMI, uh, other organizations are kind of getting the word out there that a mental health concern is very similar to a physical health concern. Yeah. Somebody yeah. who's dealing with a heart thing wouldn't be embarrassed to share that with others or God forbid had cancer, or diabetes or asthma. But for some reason, when we say things like anxiety or depression, people kind of take a step back like uh, I need to put a mask on and get a tissue because you're going to give me anxiety or depression. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Steve, so, do, yeah. you, do you think that anxiety and depression are becoming more common in teenagers? I'm not sure. I, I, I kind of suspect it is, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, one thing one thing I'm certain about is that it's less stigmatized now and kids who sure. have problems with depression and anxiety now would be a lot a lot more likely to tell people about it or admit to it. The thing I'm the thing I'm not as sure about is whether or not it's more common. They've not been doing any studies or anything on that. That you, sorry, yeah, I put you on yeah, the spot. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, and, and, but... and there, there there have been studies, but but it's hard to the the, the ascertainment is is difficult. Yeah, for are those people kind of just studies. admitting to it more now yeah. than they admitted to it, you know, thirty years ago? But it does exactly. seem like there's more anxiety and depression in teenagers. Yeah. It just seems that way, but yeah, yeah, you know, we're certainly a lot more aware of it. Yeah, uh, so so we're we're more aware of it. There, there's more anxiety and depression that we know of, uh, and, and I'm not sure if there's really more of it in general or not. It's, yeah, what's the going um, thought on treating teenagers with antidepressants or anti-anxieties? Yeah, because it was controversial. We did a show on it a yeah. couple years ago because there was some. Uh, you know, thing out there that if you put them on it, maybe they became more suicidal. Weren't there some deaths or some, that, yeah, some of the no, shooters, some of the mass shooters were on these things? And, yeah, well, yeah, and the complicated question. So some of the mass shooters who had antidepressants in their system had cocaine in their system oh. at the same time. <laughs> it's like, well, so what, <laughs> okay. which one you going to yeah. blame, you know? You know? But, uh, yeah, I think with, with, with kids, there's more hesitation to give antidepressants and, and other medications, as, as there should be. I think there's... 
Um, the the uh, the evidence that it's effective is not quite as good in kids. Oh, also, did. sometimes in kids they can have uh, they they might actually have bipolar disorder as opposed to unipolar depression or as opposed to to major depression. And uh, you know, antidepressants can do bad things to people right. with bipolar disorder. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So I think with with kids you have to have more caution. And just in general, child psychiatry, you know, for the for the medication part of things, child psychiatry is harder to do than adult psychiatry. That's why I did. That's it. why you don't do it. That's why I don't do it. It's too hard, and I don't want to do it. Yeah, and, sorry to put you on the spot. There, no, that's, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah. Doctor Perlman, you would probably say if they do have something like bipolar, yeah. I mean, there's no amount of you know classroom work you're going to do to do away with that if they're on some sort of manic episode. They're going to disrupt everyone around them. They've got to see a child psychiatrist to get on the appropriate medicine. And it, yeah. it's one of these things that's really challenging because we have to be careful that the folks in the in the school, the principals, the teachers, and others, we don't have medical degrees. Yeah. So for us, we have to be really careful that we're not trying to make a diagnosis. Whereas I'm not a pharmacist either. So you know the other the other challenging fold that we can add to this conversation, probably give ourselves another couple hours to discuss this is it's really hard, I think, to differentiate between somebody who's dealing with a trauma-type situation, a mental health situation, someone who just hasn't slept because they were up playing video games or on a phone all night, mm-hmm. or, or a student coming in. There's so much evidence now talking about what we consume as far as you know eating and that, that you know have a student who's acting out, showing signs that could be, could be this, mm-hmm. could be this, and you ask them, you know, well, either I haven't eaten since the last meal you gave me on Friday, or if it's food choices that I stopped at 7-Eleven this morning and I had a Slurpee, a hot bag of hot fries, and a spicy pickle, which I got to be honest, I think eating the plastic in the cup would have more nutritional value. So when we're yeah. kind of If doing, I ate that for breakfast, I would be disruptive. Yes. No doubt. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 I think it's just really important. We're kind of expanding the lens. You know, my my grandparents both taught for 40 years. The whole conversation that we had today, they would have said that's for the counselor or the social worker or for the kid's pediatrician. But with that large number of people presenting in these ways, even as teachers, we're becoming or principals becoming like level one triage, asking kids when they come in, did you sleep last night? Maybe I'm prescribing. You haven't slept. Maybe you need to go to the nurse's office and grab a 30-minute nap so you can function. Or have you eaten? I haven't eaten. I mean, I'm a big dude. So if I don't eat and I'm a grown-up, you know, I make those choices myself. If I don't eat, I'm not at my best. I can even feel it. But when you're still kind of growing, developing, trying to figure yourself out, these are some things that we need to be addressing. First, every kid gets screened for for vision and hearing. How much is a disruptive behavior because a kid can't hear what's going on or can't see the directions on the board? There's Absolutely. so many levels What'd to you this, say? you know. No, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I almost yeah. fell for that, too. <laughs> hey, I want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here, okay, um, only because I had to deal with something like this with, with one of my numerous children. Um, you're in class. They're in class, and they're trying to learn. And they may even be having trouble concentrating just because that's how they are. But then you have one of these marginalized kids in that same classroom of, let's say, 20 to 25 kids, and they're they're barely holding it together and they're creating disruptions. That does make it difficult for some of the other kids in the class, especially those that are already having a little trouble concentrating. I think there are some kids that are laser focused and, you know, a bomb could be going off in the back and they're still taking notes. But for some that are kind of, you know, barely able to concentrate anyway, then you get a disruptive kid. 
So at what point does the good of the few outweigh the good of the many? When do you pull that other kid out and say, you know, traditional classroom is just not going to work for you without, you know, without, you know, yeah. creating a negative for that kid? You know, it, it's a great question and something that we get asked, uh, you know, all the time. A lot goes back to uh, the data that we're taking and trying to do rule outs of figuring out, is it just morning? Is it that the subject area, is it there's something else going on that we're trying to plan for to put the best programming in place and intervention for a student that's struggling, you know, even if it means more breaks or, or something different? I've always said, and, and I think most of the educator friends and colleagues of mine would say, you know, if one kid is disrupting the learning of 25 others and the teacher not only taking notes, the teacher can't get through the instruction, yeah. that's something that we need to be dealing with right away and starting right away with interventions, coming up with a different programming as much as we can. Um, I started in one of my buildings uh, when I was a principal. We had a situation where like 25 kids literally were kind of ruining our school of mm -hmm. 600 kids. And I kind of was like at the end of my rope, couldn't figure out what other tools to use ran into a, a former uh, UFC fighter, MMA fighter that I knew, and kind of just tell him what was going down. And we agreed, let's start a morning martial arts thing intervention. And we did. He taught the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I taught the stand-up boxing. And with those kids and involvement in team and holding them accountable and getting that energy out Ooh. in a constructive way, 24 of the 25 boys, within six weeks, there mm. were no more behaviors. We huh. started doing a movement intervention for the kids that had the wiggles. They needed sensory input or they couldn't sit still. And by putting that in, for a lot of the kids, that reduced it down. So it didn't cure everybody. It didn't fix every behavior. But if a kid's 100 times disruptive in a week and we can cut that to 50, to me that's progress. I and mean, we still got some work yeah. to do. But, like, when I go and work with teams and talk with schools, I say – a lot of these kids need out of the box. We've got to come up with something new and different. The standard protocols aren't necessarily going to work for these students, and we just got to try things. And if it means helping in another grade or if it means going out and getting some exercise to burn off or doing some heavy lifting, we just put a program together to help that student yeah. and, and mitigate and reduce those disruptive behaviors because you're right. If it's a class of 30 – and one kid's disrupting, everyone deserves an education, but not at the cost of 30 other kids' right. education. Yeah, yeah. It, it's true. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a recurring theme is if there's a kid who's disruptive or bad or doing something bad, is there's something they need, you know, yeah. and to try to try to find out what that is. And, and if they get that thing they need, they won't be disruptive anymore. I, I don't think there's, I don't believe in randomness. Yeah. I think that every behavior, there's a function of it. There's a cause for it. Short of there being $100 on the elevator on the way out and one of us just decides to grab it and shove it in our pocket. I don't think there was much forethought to that. Yeah. But for most of our kids, it's really trying to get to the root cause of what's going on, building that relationship, helping to break things down and give them what they need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask you the most loaded question of all time because we're going into commercial break. <laughs> So maybe you can think about it while we're on break. And I don't know the answer. Um, is our traditional school setting, 20 kids sitting in a classroom at a desk, looking forward at a chalkboard, teacher teaching, is that, does that, is that how they do it everywhere else in the world? Um, how, how did we get to that being our traditional setup? Was it like carried over from like, uh, you know, the 1400s. The 1400s from England or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then, so if that's not what they're doing everywhere else, it does seem like our academics are falling behind some of these other industrialized nations. 
What are they exactly doing? <laughs> and do we just need to completely rethink our entire system? And you've got like 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> uh, I'm not tick, answering tick, that tick, question. I told you that was a loaded question going into commercial break. To start with, I think the factory model or the industrial model is where a lot of our schools founded. If you look at pictures back from even the late 1800s, beginning 1900s, there are rows of seats. I think many schools have gotten away from that or looking at things like flexible seating, have a lot more choice for the students, have more of the teacher as a facilitator rather than the sage on the stage type model that all of us went to school with. So with only 30 seconds, I would just say I think a lot of schools are evolving away from that model. We also know research tells us one of the worst things we can do for ourselves is to sit all day. Yeah, right. It's like worse yeah. than smoking, I yeah. think someone it's, it's said. the new smoking. Yeah. yeah, right. It's not the new vaping, though. <laughs> not not the new vaping. New, vaping is the new smoking. Sitting is the old smoking. Smoking is the new smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had to figure that what one out. What if you're sitting and vaping? Right. Oh, vaping in school. Now, that's a whole nother. Vaping. That's a whole other episode, Dr. Perlman, vaping in school. Vaping right. while sitting at school. <laughs> All right, let's go. we got to go to commercial. We come back. We're going to finish up with Dr. Brian Perlman. Thanks. Great information so far. Stay tuned. We're going to have more Eye on Health after these words. This is the Eye on Health Show, 97.1 FM Talk, and we're talking to Dr. Brian Perlman. Uh, Dr. Perlman, veteran educator, um, keynote speaker, former principal, also manages uh, the, a uh, mental health practice of his wife, Dr. Lena Perlman. You can see that at uh, stlmentalhealth.com. And we're talking about education today. And uh, when we were off the air, we were talking a lot about how the U.S. education system compares to the education system of other countries and how other countries will kind of, uh, I guess, kind of shunt you into certain tracks, you know, like, hey, you're going to go, this, this guy is going to go to college, that person's going to be a laborer. Etc. Um, so let, let's uh, let's pick up on that. What, what do you think about how things go in, in the rest of the world? And you think the U.S. should be taking the cue from them, or should we be doing things like we already are? What, what do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. And and you guys on air and off air ask the toughest questions around. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm really right. glad I'm caffeinated and on my A game today. <laughs> so I'm representing the entire education. That's right. Field yeah, here. that's right. And everything don't, you say will be used against you. That's right. In future episodes. <laughs> that's right. No and doubt. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll embrace that. Yeah, don't don't be an embarrassment to all of your Fix teacher our friends. entire educational system in the next five minutes. Yeah, you got, you got, got five minutes to go. Here. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. I think in in schools uh, probably our generation, uh, maybe the one before, there really was a tracking model. And, and at certain milestones, decisions were made for your path. And if you had a concern that would fall in the special education realm, you kind of just fell out of school and, and kind of were on your own and, you know, put into facilities and things, which which I certainly don't agree with that. I don't think that that's a, a good model. Um, but I think, too, there's a lot of evidence now uh, a lot of reports, I think I saw something on NPR not that long ago about the number, and if, whether it's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of trades jobs that are uh, unfulfilled, that, that yeah. literally somebody could come out of high school and make a really nice living, um, but it seems like our model is more designed, uh, and which it really is, to prepare us all to be professors or something of that sort. So somewhere between what we used to do in tracking – what some other countries do and where we are now, it seems like we should be getting to a point where we talk to students, we find out what their hopes and dreams and passions and talents are and really help to, to foster those. 
Because at the end of the day, the the big push, we had that whole common core thing come and people loved mm-hmm. it, they don't love it, whatever. The thing that was really key to that, that I did agree with, is that we want to get kids ready for career, college, military, whatever it is, so that you leave school and you're on the path that you're going to be able to support yourself, support your family, and hopefully really enjoy what it is that you do for a living. I, I had mentioned in the break that my, my father-in-law is a watch and clock maker by trade. And for him, the traditional school path probably wasn't for him. And he's repairing people's Rolexes now and Patek Philippe watches and has brought his whole family over here and, and has done well for himself by a trade. And I don't know if the path was you have to go to a conventional college if that was for him. That same news report I looked at not only said about the number of jobs that left vacant, but the amount of student loans that people Uh, have and the amount of people coming out of college that can't find work. Sure. I think our track in the U.S. is we got to get everyone to college. And it's not everyone needs to go to college, right? I agree with that. And, you know, there are some people who are wasting money on these loans, and had they just gone into a trade, could have made a very, very, very good living without those loans. And I think as a society, we're going to have to start changing what our track is. Um, we maybe don't need such a hard and fast track system like they have in the UK or uh, or in Russia or wherever, where it's like, okay, <laughs> you don't even get a choice. Maybe it doesn't need to be that hard and fast, but maybe we just as a society need to say, there is nothing wrong with not going to college and, and becoming a tradesman. Without a tradesman, the world's the world doesn't run without trade. The trade, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, I think more, more respect for the trade. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, before the show, um, Steve, we were talking huh? about. Um, your passion for electric vehicles. Right. And, and I yeah. think about what our auto shop looked like in my high school. And I feel like <laughs> a lot of people look down their nose at the people who are not, oh, I'm going to this East Coast college, or I'm going to this, right. and those guys there. And the funny thing is I ran into one of those guys at Plaza Motors, <laughs> uh-huh. and those guys are making like yeah, $150 right. an hour <laughs> yes, right. and are, and are <laughs> having wonderful lives and so are pursuing true. their passion. Right, right, the other thing, yeah. I was at a conference, and a guy who had said this guy has multiple degrees and a doctorate and said that he just told his wife, his kids are 12 years old, that to be prepared, our kids probably aren't going to a four-year college. And in his district, they teach coding and a lot oh, of coding, yeah, and not just yeah. for tech companies. They they talking about that these people are being poached out of high school because they've already gotten their certification while in high school and are walking out to a six-figure sure. job. What more could we ask you for could, to nothing. prepare kids for career and to support them? And themselves? that's it. And that yeah, career yeah. path did not include hundreds of thousands of college debt. Yeah. No. Hey. All right. Yeah. Great stuff as always, Dr. Perlman. Boy, we mm-hmm. could go on and on, but we can't because ah. On the Money is coming up next. Yeah. So you can have a good trade job and then invest your money. Stay tuned for yes. On the Money. We'll see you guys next weekend.